Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. I'm here talking with Owen Carey, who is going to be speaking at latest month at the Data Solutions Security Forum. How's it going, Owen? Hi, how are you, Dan? Good, thanks. Tell me a bit about your background. Sure. Uh, my name is Owen Carey. I'm the founder of EdgeScan. It's a, a cybersecurity SaaS uh, based in Dublin in Ireland. Um, prior to that, I was a consultant uh, with a big four for a number of years. Uh, before that, I was a software developer. So I sort of graduated from college many, many years ago as a as sort of a, a technical uh, a Java software developer. And... Uh How's that? How did you change from being a developer in Java to uh, into security? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, I suppose when I was developing initially, security wasn't that big of a, a concern. It wasn't a lot of a hot topic, shall we say? Um, I suppose the, the risks were a lot less. Uh, you see, you know, software and the internet was in a less, less mature part of the world. You know, the thing, the risks weren't there. Um, but uh, I suppose just being involved with development and, and then I started a, sort of an application security group for, for a bank I used to work in uh, when I was a developer and I used to develop a lot of software for security features in systems and I sort of fell into it that way um, I also got involved in an organization called OWASP when I was uh, when I was a developer as well which sort of um, piqued my interest from the point of view of, of application and web security Tell me more about what you did with OWASP. Yeah, so OWASP, it's the Open Web Application Security Project. So I've been involved with OWASP for maybe 14 years. Um, Primarily, um, I I got involved with OWASP, but I founded the Irish chapter of OWASP um, in in about 2004, 2005. Um, I've also been involved in lots of projects. So the, the OWASP is an open source, free sort of uh, knowledge repository, shall we say, and yeah. full of people that, that want to try and make the world a bit more secure. So I, I sort of uh, led projects like the, the OWASP testing guide, which helps people test for security issues. The OWASP code review guide, which helps people review source code for, for vulnerabilities. Uh, and we've also been on the uh, uh, the global board of, of the organization, which is pretty much a, sort of a panel of seven people which try and steward OWASP globally, keep it open source, keep it uh, sort of free and open and vendor agnostic, uh, and also sort of try and spread the spread the the, the, the the task of trying to prevent insecure software development on a global basis. I guess, as you're open source, it's easier to find problems and fix them. Um, open source, yeah, I suppose with open source systems, it, 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 it's, um, it's, so, so what OWASP does is it very much uh, produces tools and guides and stuff like that, which are all to be used freely by commercial organizations, but also by researchers and by academics. So, um, but, but, but to your question, generally open source software um, you know, it, it, it really depends. Um, all software has vulnerabilities. Um, sometimes in open source software, the vulnerabilities get picked up quicker because more people have access to the source code. Yeah. But um, overall, in our experience, nearly all software developed has some vulnerabilities, but it really depends on, on how risky those issues are. 
Yeah, because I'm thinking that if own source is used a lot more, <clears throat> it's got a lot more users, it's easier for someone to say, we've got a problem here. Yeah, this is more eyes on a particular topic, more eyes on a particular subject. Uh, the wisdom of crowds may, 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 may come into play as well. So the idea would be, you know, if there's more pairs of eyes and more access to how something works, people generally would find uh, vulnerabilities quicker. But in saying that, a lot of very, very common and well-known open source technologies are riddled with vulnerabilities and have been, even though, even though that they're very commonly used across the internet, there have been major problems with certain platforms over the years which have resulted in pretty significant security breaches. I guess the only thing is you got to just <coughs> always make sure that your software is, is up to date and protected. Well, that's it, yeah. A lot of, a lot of the stuff we've on the edge can, is around that um, maintenance of software. So people are used to patching their windows boxes and their laptops and their servers, but actually the software that runs web applications and the software that runs components in your mobile application or your web application or your API, people, you know, it's, it's only sort of taking hold in the last few years that people need to be mindful of, of maintaining the, the, the sort of the, the software which they're using as well. Um, a, a large proportion of software used in most systems w wouldn't have been developed by the actual developers. It's like people using building blocks or Lego blocks that they sort of use open source, source components uh, to build a system. Um, and, and therefore, it wouldn't be by fault of, the, of, of a developer that there are vulnerabilities in, in some cases. But uh, the overall idea would be, uh, I think there's a lot of attention towards uh, patching and, 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 and software maintenance in the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. For me, the thing I find is that sometimes when you're packing software and, you, and as part of your software you have a legacy, you got to make sure that whatever you're patching won't cause problems with your legacy software. Well, that's, that's very important. Like a lot of people say it's easy to patch. You know, like um, there's been a lot of very high-profile um, breaches. You know, one, one that comes to mind would be a company called Equifax in the, in the U.S., um, they were breached, uh, which which did damage the company. Um, you know, it, it, it resulted in the disclosure of um, millions of people's credit history and credit data in the U.S. and possibly some people in the U in the Europe, which also were on the system. Um, you know, the idea would be that it had a, a, a patch a patch that was missed on a component. Um, but the thing is, people say, "Why don't you just patch?" But sometimes patching is difficult because patching a live system you may break. Um, you know, you actually may 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 break other parts of the system, so patching isn't always that straightforward, um, and it can be challenging. But I'm afraid it's a necessary evil in in today's modern sort of software uh, industry. Because so recently, with there, they patched uh, their systems, and uh, one of the computers that got that got stolen when it was patched, the patch uh, mm -hmm. undid the encryptions in the laptop itself. Yeah, again, you know, like not not to talk about any specific case, but sometimes patching will break a service or a feature which you assumed would still run, and then upon the patch, maybe you, you wouldn't notice that, that something's not operating, operating properly. Um, the reason is all software, you know, if you have a, a complex system, the individual pieces of software may work independently, but they also have to talk to each other. And then if you patch something, it may break um, sort of the, the way those pieces uh, of software communicate. And, uh, and, and in some cases, it's not very obvious 
until like until it's too late. So again, you know, the idea of patching. Um, so if it's something that we're used to, you know, you know, something that that, that that we're all used to in terms of keeping things up to date, the patches are just interesting in itself. Given that if you bought a car and you had to get it patched every Tuesday, you wouldn't be too happy. Yeah. But, um, but, but but it is the industry and it, it's the way things are. Um, you know, software has vulnerabilities, and the only way to sort of um, to, to, to prevent being breached is, is patching, but also things like secure application development, and also knowing what you have, not knowing what you have to patch, being aware of what, what systems you have, uh, and sort of what what, what, what what you could be potentially exposed to. And also, I guess the best thing is if you do if you're, if you're patching uh, a number of computer systems, if you do a patch of one machine to test them, make sure it's okay, then you can roll it out across the network. Yeah, well, yeah. The, the the idea with any software fix, be it a patch or be it a line of code in the system that needs to be updated, or you know maybe there's a vulnerability and, and it needs to be fixed, is, is primarily um, that type of thing would probably be, be it would be preferred if it was done on a pre-production environment. Um, the thing is, though, is, is that with pre-production environments, is they sort of need to be a clone uh, identical to the production environment. So you can test it on the pre-production environment and then make sure it's fine, and then, and then obviously then cut across to the um, to, to the production environment. Um, you know, and you know, simple things like you know not having identical environments. Um, so not having an identical test environment versus uh, a production environment can, can give rise to issues as well. So, so you know, it, it's not just about finding the vulnerabilities and understanding what they are, how to fix them. It's also being able to to, to deploy the fix uh, in sort of a, in sort of a, a consistent way. Um, but you know, obviously, we don't want to take the system down after we patch something or after we you know fix a couple of lines of code that, mm-hmm. that we take the system down because that's not going to help anybody. So it is. It's, it's it's never simple. It's I suppose as they say, the devil's in the detail. Yeah, and you founded in, in uh, BCC Risk Advisory, two thousand eleven. Yes, because you're frustrated with the direction that was that the security uh, industry was taking. Has that changed much, or is it yeah. still the same? Yeah. So BCC Risk Advisory was primarily the sort of the first piece of a uh, pillar of the company. It was a consultancy piece. Um, so it was professional services. Um, it was very much based around the fact that you know that the, 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 the people were were getting maybe a, a single penetration testing here, um, and then the fact is, is, is that we develop systems in a much different way and have, and it's changed even dramatically since then. So, like, like, like the idea would be is that like what we do now is we develop code, we we, we may deploy new features and new code on our systems on a daily or weekly basis. Where in 2011 it was probably less frequent. So the idea of having a you know a single test, a single vulnerability test, or a single penetration test to find weaknesses in your system, um, you know it, it, you can't do that anymore because as as we produce code, we're introducing change, and as we produce new features, we're introducing change. And the, the idea will be as as we introduce change, we may introduce the potential for risk, um, and risk being a vulnerability. So therefore, we produce a new feature, and all of a sudden, it has a vulnerability in it. And all of a sudden, then a hacker could come along and exploit that issue. Um, so, because we're producing and deploying systems and code much more frequently, particularly with the idea of agile development and cloud-based systems, um, the fact is, it's very much. I suppose, 
the, the, the biggest change I see is, is that the security industry has had to a change and adopt uh, to keep pace with software development and system development. Um, I think that that's probably the biggest change I've seen since 2011. But the security industry, unfortunately, is still a little bit behind. Um, the security industry, you know, in terms of dollars, you know, per year in the industry, you know, has grown dramatically. But but, but the problems have only gotten worse as well. And I think, you know, the big reason why the problems have only got worse is because people are still holding on to the old ways uh, of doing security. You know, doing the annual pen test and sort of not not looking at it as sort of a continuous sort of test, testing and continuous security view of the world instead of a a point-in-time testing. So point-in-time testing, in my view, is dead. You know, point-in-time testing does not hold up to the way we develop and deploy systems in in 2017 or 2018, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And I guess for me as well, it's kind of funny when you see... uh, you go to a company and and you see uh, the uh, IT guys using the same path for multiple different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so a lot of security, like security in itself, isn't that difficult. You know, like vulnerabilities, even some of the most serious issues aren't that complex. Yeah, you know, there are complex ones as well. Um, but, but but things like you know using passwords and stuff. Um, uh, you know, again, all of that comes down to a little bit of awareness. And like people saying, "Oh, sure, who would ever want to hack me?" Or why would I, I you know, well, why would any, why would my small company or medium-sized company ever want to get hacked? You know, why would anybody want to hack us? And the fact is, is that a lot of breaches and a lot of attacks are opportunistic. Like, like there are actors on the internet, there are threats out there which are very specific and focused, like nation states and cyber crime and sort of things. But, but a lot of attacks and breaches are opportunistic. Attacks on sort of a lot of the, you know, the PlayStation, uh, you know, in terms of the, of the denial of service attack a couple of years ago, or, 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 or sort of various attacks on various local organizations, such, such as, you know, at the Phoenix Ale, uh, website, which hacked a couple of, a couple of maybe years ago. Those type of attacks were very much opportunistic, is it, and somebody found them and decided to sort of experiment. Um, but, but the bottom line is, yeah, you know, having some some level of awareness is important, and then they're building from there. So, so, so everybody in your organization should be aware um, of, of what cyber security is and what information security is, and, 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 and then you can get into more sort of technical paths and strands and specific requirements depending on what you do in the company. Yeah, yeah, and I guess also for me, the important thing is to make sure that. You only have access to data that you work with, rather than have access to the whole system. So if you get hacked, oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think like ransomware attacks and stuff like that as well. Um, you know, will be sort of somewhat opportunistic, and you know, you can infect it. It could you know, traverse your network and infect other things. And if your account you use to log into the network is is a, is a privileged account, even though you don't need those privileges. It could traverse the network. Um, and there's a lot of things as well which sort of are, are sort of trying to prevent that as well from a legislation point of view. Things like GDPR, uh, which is the General Data Protection Regulation, sort of, um, and various sort of standards like ISO 27001, which is an international standards organization sort of regu- um, certification standard. One of the baselines of security is the idea of having least privilege. So only have enough access to the data, have the privileges to access that data as well. You know, so can I read data only? Can I read and write data? Or can I delete data? And what data 
that do I actually have access to? And all that should be based on, on your role, what you do. So, you know, for example, uh, some of your accounts probably shouldn't have access to source code, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, and those things are relatively simple to implement if people actually think about doing them in the first place, yeah. because yeah, I know that with the Sony hack a few years ago, when they got into there, they got in V1 password and they accessed the whole system because that guy privileged yeah. everything and he shouldn't have. Yeah, yeah, and that's true today. You know, a lot of web application attacks, if you can leverage... Uh, an, an attack against the system, and that system is running as, a, as an administrator. You pretty much could, could possibly pivot in, into the entire network and, and attack the network. So something we do a lot in edge scan is very much around trying to identify vulnerabilities such as that, which which would um, you know, and we obviously then we would inform our clients, say, hey, you've got this vulnerability, and the, the, you know it's pretty serious, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And help them try and fix that issue and give them the advice and how to fix it. So, 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 so what we do at Edge kind of primarily is to do that on a continuous basis with our clients. So as they deploy stuff, uh, as things change, um, uh, and, and so on and so forth, uh, we're, we're continuously looking for those types of problems, which in effect is uh, you sort of trying to keep pace with sort of the, the, the modern uh, way of developing systems and the modern way attackers leverage, uh, you know, leverage vulnerabilities. You know, it's much more pervasive now than it ever was yeah. from the point of view of, you know, more and more of our data is on the is on the networks. More and more of our data is on the internet. You know, everything from social media to banking and bills and utility bills and everything else, and our tax data and health data. And, and, and therefore, you know, there's a lot more to attack. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I think... Um, why the problem is only getting worse because you know we keep pushing more stuff out onto the web, but 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 we never never sort of stand back and take some time to look at maybe we should fix some of the issues we already have. You know? Yeah. You also founded uh, EdgeCam, which you spoke about briefly. How does that compare with BCC yeah. Risk Advisory? So BCC Advisory is primarily the parent company. It's 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 very much professional services consultancy sort of related company. Traditional consultancy, primarily technical penetration testing, uh, hacking into sort of kiosks and maybe ATMs and sort of things of that, um, of that nature. Um, but but Edgecam is very much a SaaS, so it's a cloud-based solution which which pretty much continuously assesses um, our clients' data and networks, uh, looking for vulnerabilities as the systems change. So, so our, our EdgeScan platform has a, has a global reach. We've clients globally, um, some very, very, very large clients based in North America, for example. But we also have small clients. We, we also do some uh, pro bono work with, with, with charities and stuff as well to help them be secure. And we can do this on a continuous basis. So, you know, there's a couple of problems EdgeScan solves. One of them is is it primarily that, that, that we can do it at massive scale. So, so if you have a very, very large organization with lots of moving parts, we can, we can, we can assess that and see if there's vulnerabilities in there. But also if there's a very, very small organization or even a charitable institution which doesn't have a very large budget but needs some level of security, EdgeCan uh, covers that off as well. So it's primarily a cloud-based um, security as a service platform. All right. Now, next month, latest month, you're going to be talking at the Fifth Data Solution Security Forum what will you be talking yeah. about? I'm pretty much going to talk about how how to um, how visibility is very much very very important, and what does visibility mean in terms of cybersecurity? 
Um, you'll find a lot of organizations have IT and some have more IT than others facing the internet or even, you know, facing other companies and connecting, you know, to various, to various parts of the internet. Uh, and the idea around uh, how to maintain that visibility and what that visibility means. And without sort of being able to measure, you can't improve. Um, so, so the idea would be sort of how do we approach, um, you know, knowing we have, and, and, you know, one of the fancy names security people would talk about that is the attack surface. So the idea would be how can we measure our, our, our attack surface? And if we can measure that, well, then we sort of need, we know what we need to secure and how we need to secure it. So it's very much covering off, off sort of a basic um, tenant in sort of having a strong security posture. But, you know, so it is rather an important topic even though it may seem simple at such at first. And in many ways, it probably is simple to, to, to in many ways it is simple to, um, to, to implement, but, but, but it's something that we see possibly is, is lacking in the industry, is the idea of visibility and, 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 and management of attack surface. All right, anything else you want to add to the podcast? No, uh, you know, looking forward to, to, to the events. Um, you know, um, no, no, not really. Um, you know, I'm pretty happy to be talking here to you today, Ron, and um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity. No problem, I'm glad to help, and uh, have a great day, and uh, see you at the conference, and uh, take care. Thanks. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Cheers. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.